Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our service held on Sunday, January the 16th, 2022. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. to you all in the building and also at home. A warm welcome to our service on the second Sunday after Epiphany. And our theme today is an interested God, uh, the idea that God is not only interested in the big events of our world, but also in the intimate details of our lives. And we look forward to Sally uh, Fraser doing the reflection later on work, place, uh, chaplaincy. And uh, after her, her reflection, there will be an opportunity uh, to ask her questions either in the building or from home. So if you have any questions and, uh, to ask Sally, please do so. But we look forward to that. So we start our service in the, in the usual way. Um, the singing bowl will be uh, rung. I'll light a candle and invite those who are at home also to light a candle so that we connect what's going on here with the sacred spaces and church that's going around uh, in all the homes uh, of the people who join our service. So let's have a moment's quiet to prepare our hearts and minds to worship God.
Please be seated. Just want a moment's quiet now to continue with what that song was saying, that whatever situation you're in, that you can bring anything to God, that you can bring your joys, your achievements, your anger, those things in the song that make you rage or scream, or your dreams, just have a moment to bring before you, before God, where you're at, what you're feeling, and that you can, in fact, bring anything to God. You can bring anything, you can bring me everything. Just bring it all, bring it all to me. So we thank you, loving God, that you know us better than we even know ourselves. And that we can truly be our real selves to you and bring all that is within us to you. Amen. going to say the psalm uh, alternatively. If the odd verses could be said by me and members in the building, and the even verses be said by the music group and those at home, if that makes uh, sense. So we say psalm together, psalm 36, 5 to 10, the odd verses by myself and those in the building, apart from the music group who will respond with those at home. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O Lord. All people may take refuge in the shadow of the Lord. We see the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of love, and your light we see light. O Lord, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright of heart. Glory to God, source of all being, eternal word. Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forever. 
Our first reading today is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, and reading from verses 1 to 5. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Hear what the Spirit says to the church. Thanks be to God. standing as Margaret reads the Gospel from home. The Gospel is taken from John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. Glory to Christ our Saviour. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, and when the, tasted, 
When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning, everyone. I'm really delighted to be here speaking to you today about my work as workplace chaplain um, about what's wonderful about it, what's difficult about it and what I think I'm learning from it. And um, because I'm learning, I feel I'm learning quite a lot because this is a difficult time, we're all going through a lot and um, I've only been doing this work since the pandemic, you know, so I've only been workplace chaplain during a pandemic so it could be a completely different thing to what's been done before so what is workplace chaplaincy um, i work for an organization called workplace chaplaincy scotland and um, in conjunction with the city center churches together that means i would provide chaplaincy to anyone in any workplace in the whole of the city center if they wanted in reality, I have relationships with a few big workplaces that, you know, that's an organised relationship and I provide chaplaincy for them and I go in there. So that would be things like the St James's Centre, John Lewis, the Johnny Walker Whiskey Experience, those great big organisations. Now, before the pandemic, a chaplain might have been someone who was available in the staff room or the canteen or popping into offices and they would be there in case there were some big life events or in case someone needed them what's different i believe about what i'm doing is nobody in a pandemic wants an extra body in their canteen or their staff room you know it's that's absolutely not going to happen but also crucially everyone has been through something Everyone at the moment who you speak to, if you did one of those charts like you might get at the doctors about adding up points for the stresses in your life, everyone certainly that I've spoken to would put them in the medical risk of stress, you know, because just the changes to our routine, you know, even if there's been no actual grief or anything, the changes and the strangeness of the last while, we've all been through something. The thing we have most in common is we're all been in some way isolated. I think particularly because what's happened, no two people, from speaking to hundreds and hundreds of people, no two people have had the same response at all. So you're isolated because you can't even talk, you know, doesn't it feel like this, doesn't it feel like that, because everybody is different. People in workplaces are also more isolated because of the way they're having to work. So before the pandemic, you might have had a department, a floor of a department store where there were five of you who were all friends and you all hung around together and worked together. You came back after the, part, the um, pandemic 
or you know you came back after lockdown to find three of them had been made redundant and you'd had no chance to say goodbye to them one of them had died and you have that whole department where you're stood by yourself all day it's a totally different experience so so that that's the situation i'm working in so what i actually do is I spend all day going up to people and saying hello um, because I can't loiter and wait for them to approach me, which is incredibly awkward. You know, if you think of those, you know, those awkward moments you have where, you know, it just makes you cringe a bit because it's gone all wrong. I can have 10 of them a day easily, you know, and I have to sort of um, brace myself before I go into a place because... Um, and because also I'm introducing myself, you know, completely masked as well, which is, um, you know, to have the confidence to engage with new people. So I go up to people and I say, well, hello, um, I'm, your I'm just introducing myself, I'm your chaplain. And the range of responses is really interesting. Very, very few people sort of brush me off and are not interested. Really, that's really, really rare. Some people are aware of chaplaincy from perhaps from the past. Some people are in organisations where they've had chaplains for a long time. Most people are so most people are lovely, um, and they may have some experience of chaplaincy, in which case they've got an idea of what they're going to talk to you about, or it's new to them, in which case the response is things like, "I've got a chaplain." You know, and, and that's actually a lovely thing to say, yes, you have, and I am it, you know. Um, so, and for those people, you become what a workplace chaplain is because they've not met one before. So people do talk to me, and I'm incredibly surprised how much. Sometimes they moan, um, which is wonderful. It's wonderful to just let people moan. You know, there's no consequence. I'm not... And perhaps because I'm not in the offices and in the staff rooms, I seem even less aligned to the management, so they can moan. And also, you know, people say things to me like, oh, I'm sorry to moan at you, and it is such a blessing to be able to say, that's literally my whole job, you know, please, please fire away, you know, that's really lovely. Um, some people really use that opportunity. You see them just totally going into themselves and they use the opportunity to really process things, to really speak through what's going in their lives, just to talk and talk and verbalise what's been happening, what's going on for them. People also bring you nice things, and it's lovely to see how you become that person that they'll catch your eye and say, I wanted to tell you, I've got a job interview for a different job. I wanted to tell you, I've had a um, deposit accepted on a flat. And it becomes lovely to see how they want to acknowledge the, the lovely things as well. So I suppose that leads me to where, you know, where I feel the God bit is in all of this. You know, because this is a totally non-proselytizing um, position. And, you know, and I think that's quite right. If people ask me about God, I can answer their questions. Some people do want to talk about God. But again, that is very, very unusual, actually. So, so I think for myself, it's about settling where, where God is in it because, because actually I'm not a counsellor or a well-being expert. So it would feel wrong. You know, I'm trained in ministry, not counselling or yoga or whatever. You know, so it would feel wrong for me to be in those places just as a well-being person because that's not, that's not what I'm trained to do. And, um, and I know there are so many precedents in the, you know, in the scripture for these alongside and among 
ministries, and we, of course we've had one today. You know, Jesus is right in the thick of it all at, um, you know, at a party, at a celebration. And his response is to do a very human thing. You know, when they run out of wine, he doesn't say, look, let's all have a prayer meeting. You know, let's sing some psalms instead. You know, he, they've run out of wine, so he gives them, gives them the wine. You know, so it's, the, the president is there for being human and, and being among um, and so, I, so I, can, I can see that, but we do hope as disciples that we're conveying something, that we're, we're witnessing to some bit of God or some bit of our relationship with God, you know, even if it's a little bit. And the bit, the bit that I feel is happening surprised me, actually. Before I started this, I imagined that I would be bringing comfort, that I would be bringing healing. And as I say, that's very rarely what I'm doing. But what I realized is by going up to people and asking them about themselves, asking them what's going on in their lives, there's something they feel about being interesting and being valued. And, um, you know, I've come to have this idea of, a, of an interested God, you know, just what, you know, who just wants to know what's going on with us. You know, the details, not always the big things. And a God who doesn't have a sense of scale at all, you know? We, we, ha we try and learn that idea of a God whose time is different from ours, but I think his scale is all completely different. So, you know, if I've got a shopping center with 3,000 people who I'm supposed to be, you know, responsible, pastorally responsible for in some way, but I spend a whole half an hour really enjoying someone showing me how the security labels work, you know, for, for their department of a shop, or someone telling me about the vegetables they've grown in their garden. And these are the things who, where if I'm scanning my week for where I found the absolute joy and the delight, you know, the, the company of people as they show me things, for how, you know, how things work, or they tell me about the things that they're interested in, are always the things that come up. You know, that doesn't make sense, you know, it, to spend that time with, but, but, but you know, the same God who put the rings around Saturn, you know, Saturn, you know, is the same one who knows about the lady from the makeup counter's poorly dog. You know, that is, that's how things are operate, you know, that's how he operates. And it's been lovely to feel that I've experienced a little bit of that. Um, and I think that was what leads me on to my, sort of, my last point about how I'm supported in this ministry or, and what I've learned, because for, my, for myself, I thought, my relationship with God was about bringing the big things. You know, it was about, you know, God saw me and if there was injustices, if there were difficulties, God saw that. You know, even if he didn't seem to be doing anything about it, he at least saw it and knew about it. But I wouldn't have brought the smaller things and I didn't, you know, I didn't imagine a God who wanted to enjoy my company when I was happy as well, you know. And going out, you know, to brace myself for the slight awkwardness of saying um, hello to people I don't know all day, what supports me is the idea of, you know, a God who wants to have fun, you know, maybe I can try and enjoy it and have fun with it. And maybe we don't, 
Well, I know personally, I haven't always been very good at that, of, you know, of understanding a God who wants to have fun with us and enjoy our company and be interested in what's going on with us. Which is why I love that first reading that we had today, because we, there's so many images that we often hear so much about in church about us being children of God, you know, and God as our father and, you know, or our mother even in those other lovely passages of Isaiah or, um, you know, where we're, we get to sit on God's knee and all this kind of thing. And that's quite right. And I know that the spirit in us, you know, causes us to call Abba Father. But in the reading today, there is another side of our, you know, well, there's so many different bits of our relationship with God. But there's this other bit about, you know, God is our, God marrying us, you know, God is our partner, God is our lover even, you know, and we don't, we don't maybe always make that much of that. But I love this and I love the translation that you have here that was different from mine, you know, the idea of your builder that's going to marry you, who delights in you. And, and maybe, maybe we all need to lean in, you know, to support us in these difficult times, we need to lean in a bit more to that that delight and that fun side of our relationship with God. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm going to suggest a sort of activity that, you know, maybe to think about what's fun for you. You know, in my work, if I've had like a difficult morning, I then think, right, well, I'm going to choose my favorite bench, you know, and I'm going to get a really nice sandwich and I'm going to sit, you know, it's just me and God on our favorite bench, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So what's, is there a piece of music? Is there, you know, lighting candles in the bath? All of those kind of things, you know, get back a bit, as with any relationship, almost, you know, get that fun bit back, back in it, in your relationship with God. Thank you very much. For people to bring up the subject of God, um, but I'm quite curious on the odd occasion that it does come up, what kind of angles are they coming in at that on? Thank you, that's a really interesting question. Um, the, the, most, the most common angle, actually, is people who will adamantly tell you, not into God, by the way, not into any of this, not, by the way, none of this, and they're the people who seem most interested. You know, the people who will assure you that they're not, you know, they're completely atheist. You know, and actually we had one really moving incident with a lady who'd assured me, you know, really firmly told me she was completely atheist. And then, some, you know, something happened to her and she said, oh, and will you say a prayer for him? You know, so it's, so that, you know, so that's quite interesting. But another thing that's very common is people have a lot of anxiety about denominations, you know, um, that, well, hang on, what, what, kind of, what kind of church are you from? You know, because actually the negative picture that they see of church is about, um, you know, separation and division and things like that. And so I feel very privileged because I work for Churches Together, which is, so what I say to people is, oh, well, you know, um, I work for the Church of Scotland and the Episcopal Church and I'm Catholic. You know, and so they're quite, they're quite happy with that as, a, as an answer. Um, um, the other thing is you might get people of different faiths. And I, I had a lovely instant of a, of a Muslim gentleman who said, um, it was really powerful actually because he wanted to talk to me and he said, oh, I prayed this morning because I wanted someone to talk to and you've come so I know we're serving the same God. Um, which... You know, is that such a powerful thing that his faith and his openness that, you know, a, a, any person of faith was going to do sort of thing. Hi, Sally. First Hi. and foremost, first and foremost, thank you so much for all that you've shared. 
Um, I suspect that you are bringing healing without even realizing it. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> um, it sounds to me like you, you are working in offices and you, know, you mentioned a shopping center, departmental stores. I'm in the social care sector and I'm fortunate that I work for a Christian organization and we do get a lot of pastoral support. Uh, but I just wondered uh, about the social care sector generally, uh, you know, where obviously carers are feeling unbelievably stressed and have been over the last uh, couple of years particularly, and whether there's, there's anything similar set up for them. Thank you. Um, I, I really feel that that is something where there would be, you know, chaplaincy could be helpful. I'm not aware that... Um, Sadly, the, sometimes the bigger the organisations and the more formal things are, the harder it is. You know, or they have their own systems in place, and so they would say, "No, we, we've got counselling and we've got HR, and we don't need, you know, we don't need you." And I think that is the difficulty of what we do because we say it's completely um, all faiths and non non proselytising, but then they say, "Well, we've got counsellors." You know, so so I think there is. There is that real difficulty, um, and within healthcare, there's you know spiritual care is recognised, but mm. that's done through different teams, and I don't know quite how it is for social social care, but certainly I've written to a lot of um, you know charities and caring organisations, and usually the response is um, that that they have their own systems in place, um, but. But I would always be open to, you know, if anyone did approach me, I would be happy to try and help or try and find. We do have volunteer chaplains as well, you know, trying to find someone to visit. Hi, Sally. I'm, ju I'm just wondering, uh, what's the worst response you've had? Uh, and and, and how, do, how did you deal with it? The, the worst response, I think one of the, the more hurtful responses um, would be someone who'd really chatted to you and opened up to you and then totally blanked you the next time. You know, you go happily to chat to them and then they completely blank you. But apparently that is something that happens. You know, people are, oh, I got too close and now I'm not having anything to do with you. But the other worst one is just a very uncomfortable, you know, hi there, I'm your workplace chaplain. Oh, I'm just here to ask you how you are fine you know the real I'm not going to give you an inch you know and I feel like then you know I'm stuck you know I, I've approached you now we're going to have a few moments of awkward chats whether you know whether you like it or not but I, I just tough it out for a few more questions and then you know see you again um but that I think it's that total monosyllabic thing would be the worst you know that's quite hard to hard to deal with well thank you Sally I mean what a tough job for me and to come in um, during COVID and to do that is amazing. But I think it, for me it's highlighted the importance of relational, um, how important that is, and that actually all of us at COVID have struggled um, with different things, isolation, and actually just having that relationship is, is incredibly healing and, uh, and uh, um, inspiring. But thank you. Shall we just pray? for Sally now and, and the work that she does before Suzanne comes up for the intercessions. Loving God, we thank you for Sally. We thank you for the work that she does, for the courage it takes to meet new people, to be proactive and start conversations. And we pray that you'd continually inspire her Give her wisdom on how on the spot to 
respond to different people's needs and pray that you would continue to bless her in her ministry. Amen. Thank you. So we now come to a time of prayers which Suzanne's going to lead. Praying, a poem by Mary Oliver. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention, then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Let's enter a time and moment of thanks. And we remember the psalmist drawing attention to your faithfulness, your righteousness, your judgments, your steadfast love, your wings, your house, your delights, your light and your salvation. As we come together, we'll just, I'll say a few words and we'll end with, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your relationship with us. Thank you for the worldwide church of many, many different people, individuals, groups, languages, cultures that are meeting together all over the world today. Thank you that we come together as your house. And here we thank you that we are able to meet freely and openly, to pray together, to worship together, to listen together. We pray for those who meet today in much more dangerous situations, in countries where Christians are in a minority, where speaking about the spiritual or, or um, living out your love is challenging. We think about Syria, Afghanistan, North Korea, Sri Lanka, Egypt, and many, many other places. We pray, Lord, that all members of your church will know your faithfulness today. Lord, in your mercy. Thank you for reminding us that your care is so expansive. It is the heavens, it's earth, it's humans and animals alike, but it's also the small things. Thank you for this extraordinary world that we live in the abundance of life in so many different forms, so many surprises and so much delight. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your spirit, which helps us to appreciate the world and care for it. Help us to think about these small vacant lots, the stones, the weeds and the blue irises but also help us to pray now for how these small things connect up and affect larger things, for systems of governance that we're part of, for cultures, communities, society. We pray, Lord, for your righteousness, your judgments and your salvation to permeate all the threads and hearts and minds and many things that dynamics that flow through all that affects those in authority the ground swells of action individuals taking care and people meeting
to try and make a difference. We pray, Lord, for faithfulness and compassion. We pray for fairness, for knowing and taking responsibility for the limits of the world we live in, for seeing the potentials in things, for working with the world, working with you in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we thank you so much for the networks of families, friends, neighbourhoods, and many other things in our local communities. Thank you for the fabric of school runs, dog walks, shopping trips, work meetings, laughter, sorrows. Thank you that we're able, many of us are able to share. And as we're reminded by Sally of the sort of isolations that are so different for so many people, Help us to lift them to you, but also to help to see how we can meet others. Thank you for the richness and support of shared experiences of those who reach out to us. We pray that we'll be able to reach out to others, to give time, to give ourselves. We pray for attentiveness and how we may notice and really start to um, become your delights and your light in everyday lives. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, we thank you, God, that you are one who knows all of that richness of the emotional texture of our lives. You know the sort of dimensions of suffering, of dark depths. You know the passions and the um, joyous moments. Thank you that you've met us today where we are and that you continue to do so. And we pray for those around us with different senses of um, what they're going through from us, who may be troubled, um, who may be not troubled. Um, there may be different sorts of struggles, physical frailty, loss, disappointment. Help us, Lord, to, we pray for the complexities of relationships and seeing your work within them. We pray, Lord, ultimately for an outpouring of your steadfast love today, that we may know the shelter and power of your wings above us and around us. Lord, in your mercy. Amen.
share the richness of your table. We cannot forget the rawness of the earth. We cannot take bread and forget those who are hungry. Your world is one world and we are stewards of its nourishment. Generous God, put our prosperity in the service of And we cannot drink and forget those who are thirsty. The ground and the rootless, the earth and its weary people cry out for justice. Gracious God, put our fullness at the service of the empty. We cannot hear your words of peace and forget our world in crisis and all those who are struggling, afraid and grieving. Show us quickly, God, how to reach out in love and passion to our neighbours near and far. And so we do in this place what you did in the upstairs room. Send down your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine that they may become for us your body, healing, forgiving, and making us whole, and that we may become for you your body, loving and caring in the world until your kingdom comes. Amen. Amen. Among friends gathered round a table, Jesus took bread, broke it, and said, This is my body that is broken for you. And later he took a cup of wine and said, This is a new relationship with God, made possible by my death. Take this, all of you, to remember me.